Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Well, a lot of you have been wondering where Pastor Gary is. He's been away for a couple of weeks. We haven't seen him. And Gary's, Pastor Gary's been worried that you guys were thinking maybe he's backsliding or he left the Lord or something. And he's out clubbing or something, getting his club on. And so I've just been, you know, I've been telling you guys that he sends his love and his greetings. But I wanted you to hear kind of where he's been, what he's been up to, what God has been doing in his life. Amen. So please welcome our Pastor Gary. Amen. But before all that, with um, Thanksgiving coming this week, I just wanted to read something that was written hundreds of years ago. This was back in the 1700s by George Washington. Thanksgiving now, therefore, I do recommend on assigned Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being, who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. And then Abraham Lincoln said, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are at sea, and those who are sojourning in foreign lands, to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. See, that's a lie that God doesn't belong in this country or that we need to kick him out of the government. This is two presidents of the United States that showed the vision of the founding fathers of this nation not to kick out God, but to have him as the one that we acknowledge and bless. So let, let's just do that for a minute right now. Let's just do what, what was meant. On, but we're going to do this as people, as Americans, and, and we're, we're going to declare that God is God of the United States. And I'm going to ask my wife, Norma, to just come for a minute. And let's just thank God for all the blessings in this nation. And stop, but don't believe any of the lies that we have to separate church and state, that we have to separate God and, and our government. If we do that, then we're, then we're headed for destruction. Father, in the name of Jesus, I present this country to you, Lord. Father, although we have many, many, many wrong things with us, Father, this is the best country in the world, Lord. And we were fortunate, Lord, that you placed us here, Lord, that you had us live here, Father. We have so many freedoms, Lord, that other countries envy, that other countries wish they had. But you have blessed us, Lord, with bounty, with plentiful food, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Father, for the freedoms that you have given us, Lord. Freedom of speech. Lord, freedom to worship, Father, wherever we want and however we want, Lord. 
Father, there are people that have to go underground, Lord, in order to read your word or to praise you, Father, because they have been threatened with death. But we have the freedom, Lord, to stand on a corner and preach your word, Lord. So, Father, we bless this country. Lord, we ask you to bless everyone in authority, Lord, to guide them, Lord, to the right decisions for us, Lord. We pray for everyone, Father, in government, judges, policemen, Lord, presidents, the Senate, Congress, everybody in authority, Lord, and everything, everybody in political office. We pray, Father, that it would be you to guide them, Lord, that they would do your will. In the name of Jesus, we bind the Holy Spirit to each and every one of them, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. We bless this country, and we bless you, Lord, for this country, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you could turn in your Bible to John chapter 4, verse 13. And, and this verse is, is Jesus. He was at the well and he was speaking to this woman that he had met. And, and this woman was going to give him water from the well. And this is what Jesus answered. It says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And now I'm going to go to another scripture. And because I'm not too good with the computer, I forgot to write down where it is. But it's verse 10 of something. Boy, is this going to sound bad over the internet, right? I'm up here with... I should, I should forget about the computer, right, and, and just read out of the Bible, but I forgot to write it down. <laughs> but anyway, it's in Philippians, and somewhere it's in verse 10 and somewhere in Philippians, but if anyone doesn't believe it, you, I'll show you afterwards. It says, Rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And this verse talks about being content. It talks about having peace. But it has nothing to do with your circumstances. 
There's nothing in this world that can fill the place in your heart that seems empty because God created a, a, a void in you. He created a vacuum in your heart that can't be filled with anything but him. That's why Jesus said, I'll give you a water where you'll never thirst again. Because what happens in the natural, we drink water, and a little while later we're thirsty. But that's not what he was talking about. There's a, there's a spiritual water, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And as you get filled with the Holy Spirit, as you drink of the Lord, you get filled, and it quenches your spiritual thirst. But not recognizing that, we do everything we can to try to fill it up with the things of the world and it's not going to work. I know I wasted a lifetime. I wasted years and years and years going from this hobby to that music to this sport. When I was young, trying drugs, getting arrested, all kinds of stuff, thinking that I was going to find some kind of a satisfaction. And I never found it until I found the Lord. Because you can be content right now. Contentment is not the future. It's not once I get married, I'll be happy. Or once I get that money, I'll be happy. Once I finish school, I'll be happy. I, I want to declare something to you right now. If you're single and you're not content right now, if you don't have a satisfaction right now in being single, once you get married, you're not going to have it either. Amen. So we have a witness from Pastor George right here. How many people that you've counseled? He's my hype man right here. Right, and all the single people you've counseled, they said, I just got to get married, uh, then I'll be happy, I'll be fulfilled. They, what happens, people get married and they're just as miserable because they haven't found the contentment in here. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit's all about. It is about power and, and all that and miracles, and, but more than anything else, it means having a heart full of God. You can be so filled with God that he satisfies your soul. There's not enough money in this world for you to buy it. And you might be sitting here today and thinking, if only I had the money these other people had, then I'll be happy. Do you ever watch the news? What happens with Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan and all these people? They got everything in the world, but they have no satisfaction. They're discontent. There's no contentment in them because they, have, they don't have God. And they keep trying this one and this person and maybe this movie and maybe one more record and maybe another, some more money will help, but they're never full. They're never satisfied. So many people who are rich and have everything in the world are on drugs, commit suicide, go from one relationship to the next because they're not content. You're not going to find it out there. There's nothing out there that's going to fill that, that void in you except God. But you can be content in Him. Right now, sitting here right now, maybe you got nothing. 
Maybe you don't have a dime in your pocket. Maybe you don't have a relationship. Maybe you don't know what you're going to do the rest of your life. And in the middle of that, you can have contentment. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you have God with you, you don't need anything else. To have to, I'm talking about that peace and joy. When, now, when I'm talking about contentment, I'm not saying if you're single, you shouldn't expect to get married. I'm not saying if you're poor, you should expect to stay poor or be content with not having money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have ambition and go as high as you can go. But what I'm saying is, this is a hard issue. In your heart, you got to determine that God is enough. That he is your peace. He is your joy. There's nobody out there going to give it to you. That's why Paul the Apostle said, I've been in want, I, I've been in need, I've been hungry, and I've been well fed. I've been poor, I've been rich. And in everything, I've been content. In all these things, in every situation, my heart is filled. I have peace and joy because I know my Savior. I know where my help comes from. Paul the Apostle was able to sleep at night. Although there were people throwing stones at him, people out to kill him, cursing him. Everywhere he went, there were people meeting him in order to kill him, to run him out of town. And yet he was able to sleep at night and have peace in his heart because he was so filled with God. If you can just get a heart full of God, you can have the peace that you're looking for. Especially in this city, there's so much discontentment. People just think, if I just had one relationship, I'll just meet that right man or that right woman that's going to fill the emptiness in my heart. Let's go back to my hype man again over here. Have you ever met any man or woman in all your years of counseling that filled the emptiness of somebody's heart? Not one. It's, it's only when your heart is already filled that now you can have a relationship. Now you have something to offer. Because Christianity is not all about receiving. It's about giving. It's about pouring out. The money's not going to make you happy. Turn on Inside Edition, Hollywood Tonight, whatever those shows are. <laughs> Entertainment Weekly, all those shows. Put them on and show me one happy person. One after another, after another, out of rehab, in rehab. This relationship, that relationship. Because they're not satisfied. They're empty. They've got everything and they're empty inside. But God wants to fill that place in you. You could be content right now. You can never thirst again. Not in the physical, but in the spiritual realm. You could, be, you could come into a place where, where you're satisfied. Because God is more than enough. You, why did Paul say? Because I can do all things at Christ through Christ who gives me strength. And you know what the word all means? It means all things. There's nothing that you can't do or be 
if you have God in you. You see, your identity and who you are is not based on who the world says that you are. Maybe people look at you that you don't have a lot of money or you haven't finished school or you're not married or this or that. That's not who you are. Your identity and who you are is based on the Lord. And he says that you're his beloved child. He says that you're more than a conqueror, that you're the apple of his eye, that you're his beloved, that you're the one that he's heartsick. The Bible actually says that God is heartsick over you. He's heartsick with love. And that's who you are. And if you could just get that, you can do all things. There's nothing could stop you if we stop walking around in the rejection. And, oh, I can't do anything. Oh, I'm so ugly. I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I can't do anything. I'm tired of hearing that in the church. There's nothing can hold you back. I don't see one thing in the Bible where it says that there's any limitations on you when you have Jesus. And I want to show you an example in Acts chapter 16. See, this time I remembered to write it down. Acts 16, verse 22. And this is similar to what, what um, Pastor Sal was talking about before, when he was talking about worship. <clears throat> Acts 16, starting in verse 22. It says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. See, Paul and Silas were out doing God's work, and the people didn't like it, so they started a riot. So they started to attack them. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So they were going through some hard times. They were going through some difficulties. How would you like to be stripped and beaten and people cursing you and then they throw you in jail? And you just lay in there on a dirty floor with no hope to get out. But what happened in verse 25? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. To me, that's the most amazing part out of this whole scripture. We always use this to talk about the power of worship. But they were so full of God, so contented with him, that they would lay down on a prison floor, all torn up, all messed up, bleeding all over the place, and begin to worship God, just begin to praise Him, because they knew who they were. It didn't matter that people called them names and mocked them and rejected them. They knew who they were in God. And they were willing to just sit there in the prison, just begin to worship God, just begin to praise Him, because they were just so filled with the purposes of God, with the love of God, just consumed them. And even in the worst circumstance, 
The enemy couldn't stop their praise because they were so filled with contentment from the Lord. And then, verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Not only theirs, but everyone around them. Because they were so filled with God, they began to worship. And God met them and broke them free and not only touched them, but everyone around them. Can you imagine that in the worst circumstance, if you're so content and filled with God that you just begin to praise Him and not only you get touched, but your family members, your co-workers, everyone around you, God starts to set them free. There's power in prayer. There's power in the Spirit. There's power in praise. That's why the enemy will do everything he can to steal that from you, to make you so discontent and say, well, if only I get this job, then I'm going to worship. I'll thank God when I get married. When I get the money in my bank account, then you'll really see me jump in the church. I've heard people say that. I'm not going to dance now, but if I get that job, you'll see me dance. You better start dancing now or you ain't getting the job. You want that job? You better start dancing right now. Everything comes from him. You think that the money you have in your bank account came from your hard work? Who's the one that gave you the strength to wake up in the morning? If God pulls the plug... Your boss is going to throw you out tomorrow. Every good thing, the Bible says, comes from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift. Every good thing you have, it's only because of Him. See, that's what Thanksgiving's all about. You have nothing if He didn't give it to you. And you can do all things because of Him. As you worship and as you pray, as you begin to dance before God, that's when heaven starts to move. Don't wait for God to do something and then say, well, then I'll get happy enough to sing a song in church. It's all about like Paul and Silas in the worst times, in the worst circumstances. Begin to praise Him. Begin to bless Him. Begin to thank Him. You've got plenty to thank God for. See, um, my friend Rick here, he's visiting with his wife Martha from Oklahoma. He just came back from Africa where he saw tremendous poverty. Here we have, you have a roof over your head. You have a place to sleep. You have shoes on your feet. That's much more than other people have in the world. You have running water. You have to begin to praise Him in all things. The Bible says, in all things give Him thanks. In the good times and the bad times. And as you do that, the heavens start to open up. If you want God to work in your behalf, begin to praise Him. Begin to acknowledge Him. Begin to thank Him. The people, the, the Israelites in the desert, they just murmured and complained against Him. And they never made it into the promised land because they were never thankful. They were never contented or satisfied. I want, I want to read this verse from Exodus chapter 4. 
verse 10, about Moses. Now Moses had really messed up in his life. Moses at one time was a, the, one of the princes of Egypt. He was destined to become the king. And he saw people that were beating one, another Israelite. So instead of praying and waiting on the Lord, the Bible says that he killed that soldier. And because he killed him, this man, he lost everything that he had. He had to run away into the desert and lived there as a nobody for 40 years. And he began to feel worthless. He began to feel like nothing. Everything he had was taken away from him. All the destiny, everything. Until one day he was minding his business and he saw a burning bush. And the Bible says God spoke to him out of the bush. And now God commissioned him and said, Go to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him, Let my people go. And here's what Moses responded in verse 10. Oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his tongue? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, and this is what I hear too much, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Or in other words, what Moses was saying, I, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I don't speak well enough. I've lost everything. I have no money. I'm a nobody. God sent someone else, and then the word said, the Lord's anger burned against Moses because God is not pleased with that attitude. Because you can do everything. There's nothing can hold you back. Your past cannot hold you back anymore. Moses wasn't willing to go. He said, look at my past. Look what's happened to me. Send someone else. That's no excuse. You can finish college. Some of you can become doctors and lawyers that the Lord's spoken to you. The Lord has spoken to some of you about becoming doctors and lawyers and professionals. I, I see there's politicians in here, people who, who are going to go high in politics. And you said, not me, God, send somebody else. There are pastors sitting here. There are missionaries, evangelists. Businessmen of big businesses. I hear the Lord saying that. And it's not happening for you because you said, Oh, you don't know my past. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know how I can't speak. I can't do this. I can't do that. Don't let the enemy rob from you anymore. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There's nobody better than you unless you believe that. Unless you believe there's someone out there better than you. But if you got God in you, nothing can hold you back. There was a man named Gideon in the Bible. And, and the angel came to him and said, you're a mighty man of God. I'm going to use you to defeat the enemy. And Gideon said, not me. I'm just a nobody. I'm from the smallest family in all Israel and I'm nothing. 
But yet God used him to command the armies of Israel and kick out the Philistines. Do you feel today like you're a nobody, that you're weak, that you're nothing, that you're not smart enough, that you don't have what it takes? You're the one God's looking for. You know what Paul the Apostle said? He said, I thank God for my weaknesses. Why did he say, I thank God for my weaknesses? Because when you can't do it, God can. When you feel you're not smart enough, that you're not good enough to pass that interview so you don't go, I just hear the Lord saying that someone here and there's an interview God, that's open to you and you're not even going because you think, I can't do it, I, they're not going to like me. That's a lie. you got God with you. There's nothing you can do. All things, all things. You can pass that interview. You can finish that school. Even if you got to work full time and go to school, you can do it because you got God. Maybe your friends couldn't do it because they don't know the secret that you got the Holy Spirit burning in your heart. All things, you can do it all. You can become the doctor. I don't, it doesn't matter how much you've been abused, how much you failed. One last story of Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul, and he was abused by his father, Saul. King, even though he was the son of the king, Saul actually took a spear and threw it at his head and rejected him. And he lived in Israel, and at that time, everyone was filled with fear. And all the money was dried up. And they were walking in defeat. And one day, he got a hold of God and said, that's enough. And he went by himself with his one friend, and they went to the Philistines. And they attacked the whole army by themselves. And you know what he said? God's hand is not too short to save whether by many or by few. All it takes is one. All it takes is you. And God's given some of you great visions. Every one of you. I'm sorry. Every one of you has one point or another has a great vision for your life. And many of you came to a point and said, I don't think this is going to happen. I just can't make it. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have the right connections. You got the right connection. There's only one connection you need. That's him. Some of you, God is calling you into ministry. All you need is him. Don't say, I'm not good enough. I can't preach like the other person. There's only one of you. There's no one else can do it the way that you do it. No one else can deliver the message the way that you can. All it takes is God plus one. He's looking for the one. Just one. All he needs is, is you to just have the confidence in him and get so filled with God and just begin to worship him. And, you, and just like Paul and Silas, you're going to see the chains break off. You're going to see things happening. You're going to see the angels appearing. God's going to move everything out of your way. 
You can do it. If you got God, there's nothing you can't do. You can get that raise. You can get that promotion. But this isn't only about church. You can raise those children. You can get by without the man when you need to. Because you got God. He's on your side. The Bible says, if God is for you, who can be against you? There's nobody. There's nothing. Because he who's in you, which is God, is greater than he who is in the world, who is the devil. And the devil wants to hinder you, stand in your way, tell you you're worthless, tell you you can't make it on your own. But God is greater He's greater than anything. He's greater than every hindrance, every wall. He's greater than your past, all the abuse you suffered, all the horrible, angry words spoken over you. Some of you have been horribly rejected. Some of you have been physically and sexually tormented and abused. And God is saying, I'm greater than that. That can't hold you anymore. It's not going to stop you anymore. There's greatness in every one of you. And now you got to make the choice. The choice is yours. I don't care how young or old you are. The choice is yours. Are you going to go out of here the same way and say, well, I just can't do anything with my life. Life is too hard. Life stinks. I can't make it. Or you can go out of here with a new, with a new hope and a new faith. Fill a heart filled with God. And say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to pass that test. I'm going to pass that course. I'm going to make it in my job. And I'm going to be the best I can be. And I'm going to get that promotion. I'm going to build that business. All things. What does all things mean? All things. All things. (laughs) See, Larry knows. So this is what I want to do right now in closing. I want to ask for those who are in the prophetic ministry to to come forward. Because we want to stretch them too. And also if um, my friends Rick and Marcia could come. And Sal's coming. And also, anyone in the church who's in leadership, also, if you want to come. And what we want to do is get into groups of three. Can you help me? We're going to get in. Can you put people in groups of three? You You could be the new hype man. Jesse is going to rock it like an old school jam, right, Jesse? I don't know. That's it, good. Wow, that was fast, Jesse. See, you could do all things and fast, fast like that, right? And and this is what we want to do right now. We want to anoint you to greatness.
Because one thing they would do in the Bible, for example, Samuel. There was a prophet named Samuel. And he was looking to see who was going to be the next king. And he was looking at all these big guys. All these big strong men. In the meantime, there was King David, a shepherd boy, a short guy, a nobody, a teenager. And he was the one. But Samuel wasn't looking at him. And God confronted him. And he said, I don't look at outward appearance. I'm not impressed by what I see on the outside. I look on the heart. And if you've got Jesus in your heart, you can rise up. And Samuel took oil and he anointed him into his destiny, into greatness. And that's what we want to do for you right now. It's not going to take a long time. Just even a minute with each person. But if you're saying, I'm ready to step into my place of destiny. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all that I can be. We just want to anoint you into your greatness. And we have people that will speak a word of destiny over you. I ask them to see in the spirit. To look ahead in the spirit. To see. To see what you can be. And see if God shows you what you're part of your destiny. So I, I'd like to pray for everyone. I don't want to make it this thing where people are embarrassed because I'm the only one coming up. You know what people do? They stand here and then they look around and say, oh no, no one's coming. I just want everyone to come up because I, there's greatness in you. Come up and just get anointed into your destiny. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.